Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the RevOps Podcast. I'm Brandon, and we have another special episode this week. Jordan, Jonathan, and I were recently on the Sales Enablement Podcast with Andy Paul, and it was such a phenomenal conversation. We wanted to bring that to you here. So we're going to play this conversation with Andy right now, and then next week we'll be back with another one of our regularly scheduled podcasts. All right, Brandon, Jordan, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Andy. Yeah, excited to be here. Excited to be here. Well, that's, that's exciting to hear. <laughs> I mean, it's my, it's my second time, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to revisit. Yeah, well, you can see how we've changed the place since then. So, um, <laughs> so everybody's doing well. That's great. Uh, we're going to talk about revenue operations today because... You three are the co-hosts of an exciting new podcast called, well, you tell us what it's called. Yeah, it's it's called the RevOps Podcast, very fittingly, <laughs> uh, which, which, funny enough, very was not our... Very imaginative name, we like it. <laughs> it. It was not our first name. Our first name was much, much worse. It was called the RevOps <laughs> Stars Podcast, and we... Wait, 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 we the RevOps Podcast? RevOps Stars, yeah. RevOps Stars, oh, self-anointed, I like that. It was, yeah. It was really bad, is what it was. It was self-anointed, being terrible at naming things, is, is where we went. Um, so, so we quickly segued away from that to the RevOps podcast. But yeah, we uh, um, are super excited about it. We're, we're, I think, seven or eight episodes in now and, and uh, having a lot of fun making it, to be honest. Well, you guys are on the cusp because, at least as of a few years ago, the statistic was the average number of episodes that a podcaster produced before they stopped producing podcasts was seven. Seven, that's right. Oh, we made it, guys. We, we made we're, it. We're well beyond that in the rearview mirror. <laughs> All right, you guys uh, that, are good. That's an interesting stat. Yeah, well, when you yeah, think about it, I mean, there's, yeah, what, every other person in the United States has a podcast now, so it's bound to be some drop-off. <laughs> podcasts are the new blogs. Podcasts are the new blogs. Exactly. As far as I know, I think we're probably the only one or one of a couple of podcasts focused really strictly on RevOps, which has given us a pretty unique audience. We're definitely the only podcast where it's a RevOps person interviewing two marketers about RevOps. Because that's true. That's a very unique take on the subject matter. Well, but you're not interviewing your co-hosts. No, conversational. We also interviewed some, some awesome, okay. some awesome guests. Um, we we just recently had John Miller from from uh, Demand Base on, and and uh, mm-hmm. have a couple of great guests lined up, and and uh, and are doing some drop ins like this. So perfect. All right. Yeah. So let's just start at the beginning. I'm sure, lots of people they hear the term RevOps. So somebody give me a good definition of RevOps. Do, do either of the non-RevOps guys want to give it a crack? I asked these guys for I asked them for a definition on every episode, and neither one of them ever impresses me. So, so I'll go. I'll very very concisely put it. Rev, RevOps is aligning your entire go-to-market functionality. So basically, at its core, aligning marketing, sales, and customer success to the buyer's journey to make sure you have a great buying experience and increase your revenue as a business. The way that I think of it, yeah, is like aligning uh, people, processes, and data around the buying journey so that you can, like Jordan said, deliver deliver a, a streamlined buying experience for the customer. Well, so what, what specifically, what aspects of the buying experience are the buyer saying, help me with, that revenue operations addresses? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great 
sort of question and example, right? So when, the, the biggest thing it does is it aligns it to when your buyer says, hey, help me with this. So a buyer comes in through marketing material and says, hey, help me solve XYZ problem to your marketing team. It's making sure the sales team knows, hey, he said this is the problem you want him to solve. Like This is the messaging that worked to help him know that we can solve this. This is how we're going to help him solve it. So sales already is using the same messaging, the same cadence, the same approach that marketing was using to convert that lead. And then when that person ultimately becomes a customer, your CS team is identified like, hey, this is the problem. Hey, here's what we said we're going to do. Here's how we're going to help them. And actually aligning to that buyer's pain from literally the moment they convert on a marketing material to two years into their, their life cycle as a customer. Okay, so let me, let me address that from the perspective of, a, of an individual contributor who's saying, okay, great description. You seem to have sort of glommed over sort of a critical part of the whole thing, which was the actual sales part of it, um, you know, when the salesperson's engaged. So, you know, I look at, at productivity from a selling perspective, not in terms of activities, but, you know, in terms of actually creating you know more outcomes right more revenue generated per hour of selling time and so when we look at the hurdles to that from a sales perspective it's the yes yeah, sort of mon not call mundane the mundane but essential things it's qualification it's discovery it's it's you know selling value it's you know it's all shown through you know, unfortunately, in SaaS, really low win rates, uh, unacceptably low win rates. You know, as a product of all those things above. So, so how is Revenue Ops going to help the individual contributor do better at those things that I that I laid out? Yeah, I would I would think of it like. Um Every seller's worked with sales ops before, right? Like you have a sales ops person whose job it is on the back end is to essentially help make your job easier. They make mm-hmm. using Salesforce easier. They make going through your process easier. Well, theoretically, they should, right? I know that. I'm, I know there's going to be sellers who listen to this and go, "Sales ops makes my life terrible." But uh, <laughs> theoretically, they should be helping you, you know, increase selling time, maximize your selling time, maximize your ROI for that time. RevOps is essentially doing that in the same way. I think by think of it like an extra resource. So, so they're, they're giving, I'm not telling you, Hey, this is the only problem they have to solve, but I'm giving you extra resources from marketing. You have more information, more data. That way, when you go into doing the things that are in your sales process, like qualifying discovery, going through all those, it's not, we're cutting those out of the equation. Uh, we're streamlining it to make sure you're going into those more well-prepared and that that data is at your fingertips that aligns to the actual buyer. So you can have better discovery calls, better qualifying calls. You're going to identify more pain, deeper, deeper pain, which is going to allow you to sell more value because the more pain, I mean, the more pain you identify, the more value you can sell, right? Yeah. I mean, don't get me started on the whole pain thing. I don't use those words, but, but, you said, okay, the data that will help you do a better job discovery and so on throughout your process. So what is that data? So what is what is going to help? What are, you, what are we going to enable a, a seller with, an AE? What data are we going to enable them with through RevOps that will help them do a better job of discovery? Let's just use that as an example. Yeah, it could be lots of things. Um, so, so I mean, like the easy ones are the messaging. Here's the messaging we use that they converted on. Here's where they came from. Here's, here's, the, here's the questions you should ask this person, here's some sample discovery questions for this person based on where they converted. So they converted on this infographic that said, these are 10 ways that sales reps are wasting time. That means that this person is concerned about how sellers are wasting time. So here's five sample discovery questions that we would use that are actually drafted with marketing and sales 
to help you dig in on that specific problem. And here's what that and what that infographic said, right? Um, so, so rather than just like kicking that over and saying, hey, sales, here's a lead, good luck, throw it over the fence. Mm-hmm, we're, mm-hmm. we're actually giving you guidance and aligning that to make sure that you're asking the right questions. And then the second piece of that is, mm-hmm. is then measuring the success of those discovery questions, those sample that sample messaging, and and feeding that back up to your marketing team to make sure marketing is changing what they're using, point, what messaging yeah. they're recommending, and how they're bringing in leads because they can start to better inform the audience before it even gets to you to to make your conversations continuously better. Right. So it's sort of that whole feedback loop, not just downstream but also upstream. And so, how are you measuring whether those questions were effective or not? So uh, call outcomes, talk time on calls, objection handling ratings. I mean, we, we use obviously our own product conversation sure. AI, AI very extensively at Ring DNA to, to do a lot of this really cool stuff. I mean, you can go in and listen to a hundred phone calls and see what objections we got for specific lead sources and roll that data back up. We use Yoda to, to do the discovery questions, examples like, Hey, this person's mentioned this, they converted on this lead source. Here's an example question you should ask them pops up right on the screen. Super valuable. They can rate well, wait, 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 you know, wait, afterwards. Wait, slow down, slow down. So for people who aren't aware of what Yoda is, explain what Yoda is. Yeah. Yoda is a real time coaching tool. Uh, that is from, the, the easiest way to put it. Yes. From Ring DNA, and I'm yeah, I'm okay. not a seller, so I, I will not Clearly. be the best yeah, person. We, we, I think we just grasped that in the last minute or so. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but but Yoda allows you to put real-time notifications and real-time guidance and coaching on the screen of your seller while they're on a call, whether that's a Zoom call or, or a phone call. And so it's picking up like, hey, this person came in through this lead source or this person has mentioned this specific thing. Here's two example questions that you should ask them or here's two example ways to handle that objection in order to help us proceed this call forward. So it's a, it's a way to honestly scale coaching across your team. And we use it with as part of our revenue operations, very importantly, to give that real-time discovery guidance and call coaching to AEs and SDRs that's actually, you know, based on the question, not only the questions being asked, but the lead source of the person they're talking to, the actions that person has taken, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand that this is this is happening in real time. It's not... Real time. You know, yeah, real time. Exactly. It's not not somebody listening to the call and doing that. It's it's the system itself is making those suggestions. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, and, and where RevOps also really comes in handy here is like just making sure that all of that data is attached to that contact or that account or that opportunity so that you can trigger these notifications based on any of that data, right? So, you know, we work closely with sales to say, all right, if it's this title, ask this question. Or if they're in this stage, ask this other question. Or you could even be listening for things that are not said. You, hey, you did not ask this question, two minutes into the conversation and two minutes into the you know, initial call, let's remind the rep to ask that. Um, and it can be different based on the, the person they're actually talking to. So you know, a, a lot of the unsexy work is actually the, the, the work that the, the RevOps team does behind the scenes to make the sales process more efficient for both the buyer and the seller. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think that... It- Zeiss is potential. I don't know. I say problem, but I mean it's it's one thing we see is we <laughs> we we have you know reps get too reliant on these questions or suggestion suggested sure. and they suspend their curiosity, which is the curiosity in the moment 
that really leads to the true understanding. So it's it's like, well, how do we ensure that reps don't become so reliant? Because we see a large number of, of sellers that have become, you know, we've all heard the stories, heard the stories about, you know, robotic sales reps. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we make sure we're not, you know, creating more robotic sales reps? How do we, you know, use this data to help really stimulate their curiosity? I think like a lot of this, sure, it can make sure that you're asking certain questions, but it also coaches you on um, other behavioral stuff. So if, if you are dominating the conversation, um, you, you know, like if we had if we had Yoda or CAI uh, conversation, AI, which is another product on this podcast, it might be like, Jordan, stop talking. Let your fellow co-host talk. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> but but I, it, would, I would never get that recommendation. Yeah, that's, 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 not for me at least. I hear that often on your show. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but but I think it. I think I I, th- it, I think it's actually really important to note, Andy, to your to your question. I, Yoda isn't you know replacing sales enablement. I think sales enablement continues to be important. It's an augment to your sales enablement process. And, and in the way you avoid, I think it's, it's, it's very important to be careful to avoid creating robotic sales reps. And and I would I would do that in a way, you know, I don't want every single question to come out of Yoda. I don't want Yoda to be popping up questions every six, six seconds on the screen for the rep to ask, right? I don't want that level of controlled guidance. Basically, I want some recommendations. Here's some guiding questions and then I want to train my reps external to that in my sales enablement process, whatever my training you know process looks like, to do the things like layered questions and really you know pique that curiosity and dig into the dig into the things they're saying. But maybe that first question is queued up by Yoda, but then the layered questions that come after, I want the rep to to you know sort of feel those organically so they can dig into the specific things that the person is experiencing. Yeah, and I think it's important that the the rep's personality kind of rings in and they show their personality. They're not just reading off of, you know, a suggestion line that they'll just use it as a guideline more than an actual thing that they're just reading off of the script. Yeah, well, I think I was just trying to highlight it. This is not, you know, specific to RevOps or, you know, mm. Yoda or anything like that. It's just, it's just sort of a trend we see, right? Is sure. is, totally. is when we provide people... Uh, if we don't sort of encourage the curiosity at the same time we provide them lots of information and lots of suggestions about what to do is they sometimes default to the the playbook instead of the curiosity, which is what, you know, if, if you take the curiosity out of the equation, then we might as well have the machine ask the questions and right. take the salesperson out of it altogether. But it's just going to be a terrible sales process or sales experience too, right? Like if I, I, could, I could just send you the questions in an email then at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is again not unusual. Yeah, marketing does a great job creating or you know marketing operations somewhere. You know, creating personas, and we got questions for personas, and then we've got sellers that think they're selling to personas and not to people, and mm-hmm. they sort of forget that. And and I think that's one of our biggest challenges because if we look at you know the high rate of no decisions that take place and through a pipeline. I was just reading another study. Yesterday, or the results of a study, actually two days ago, saying 50% of deals in a B2B pipeline average yeah, end up no decision. It's like, well, hmm, that's a problem, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so where's the failure there? And the failure, you know, it gets back to discovery, qualification. It's really a lack of understanding, ultimately a lack of understanding of what are the most important things to the buyer they're trying to accomplish. 
challenges they're trying to solve and the uh, you know outcomes they're trying to achieve. And that it requires that yeah people be in the moment, as Johnson said. That that yeah we use these as guidelines, as frameworks, but that we don't take that as the end all be all. The suggestions. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's a super important note is it's it's a it's it's a resource and an aid but don't go overboard on it right like it can't be the end all be all it has it has to be a resource. Yeah, it's not a step by step instruction it's suggestions yeah. about how to, how, to, how to do it better. It's, we and, we we <laughs> you don't get an allen wrench with it and the ability to put together that piece of IKEA furniture, right? Like it <laughs> it helps but <laughs> it might be the allen wrench. It helps out, but yeah. That's a great example. I have to think about that for a second. The unfortunate <laughs> part of sales too is you could do everything right, sell it perfectly, and on the other side of the line, they just don't have their stuff together and can't make the decision. And that's a frustrating part of sales. Is like they want the tool, but they can't sell it upright or whatever the case yeah. may be. I mean, and that certainly happens. I mean, I mm. I, I would say from my experience is that's that's a pretty small percentage of it, right? Is I think. Mm. I think when buyers are ready to invest the time and attention and effort required to make a decision that I think, you know, ultimately they're as frustrated as the sellers when they don't make a decision. Mm-hmm. But the reason they don't is I think more often than not, is not because they couldn't reach a consensus on the buying committee and, and push it upward. It's like there's just nothing compelling presented to them to say, yeah, let's change from what we're doing yeah. at this, at this so, time. So I'm ultimately, ultimately, I think in most cases, it's it's a failure of selling, not a failure of the buyer to to buy. Though, believe me, I've blamed the buyer many times. <laughs> I'm pretty sure buyer. every seller has blamed the buyer. Um, <laughs> a story in, in one of my books about uh, is I was sitting on a train and and I was going to take a train from New York City to to Boston, and I. Right before the train doors close, some young guy in a suit hops on the train and gets on his phone. He's sitting in the row in front of me so I can hear him. And he's clearly talking to a sales manager. And I just remember one of the most you know memorable lines I've ever heard out of a salesperson. He says, yeah, but the buyers were just liars. <laughs> I'm, wow. thinking, I'm thinking, Oh, the the whole world, you know, summed up in one sentence. Because clearly, the boss was saying, "You, you had said we were going to close that deal this month because it was the last day of the month." You that was committed for months. sure. Yeah, it was committed. Yeah, the buyers were just liars. <laughs> like, yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Keep telling yourself that. Yeah, I, would, I felt like tapping I, on the shoulder and saying, "Yeah, I've got a copy in my book here," but I just couldn't bring myself. To it, so. I, I wish uh, I wish I knew that what the, what his manager was saying on the other end of that line. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he was telling him chapter and verse about how you promised. <laughs> you yeah. swore this was going to happen. We went through this account. What happened? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a rule. Not digressing too much. There's rules. Yeah. You know, as a manager, you should really watch out for is when you're doing pipeline reviews and you're talking about specific opportunities, the odds of the deal happening are an inverse proportion to the amount of defensiveness displayed by the rep when talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> So, just FYI. Now, how do we measure that defensiveness? <laughs> yeah, well, you you get a sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. You, you can you can always tell. You can always tell yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, the 
believe me, this one's really going to happen, boss. Touch me. It's really going to happen. It's like, no, oh, no, that's not going to happen at all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's take the questions about yeah, how RevOps helps. Let's move it up a level to the frontline manager. Um, yeah, we've got a, I'd say a problem most of crisis proportions in sales in terms of, you know, we've got this strata of frontline managers that we promote into these positions. We don't train them. We don't enable them. We don't give them, you know, the, the knowledge they need to be able to coach people appropriately and develop their sellers. You know, we've got high churn rates among sales sellers. So how's RevOps going to help them? It's a great question. It's a very large question, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, still comes back to enablement, right? I would, I would sort of continue on in the example we were talking sure, about. And, and um, so, so one of the things that it would do, right, if I'm using something like Yoda to help my reps be better at discovery or qualifying, whatever that is, I'm also measuring the results of that. And I'm finding out, here's the discovery questions that are working. Here's the qualifying questions that are working. Here's the talk tracks that are, that are actually landing well with my with our deals, like the call outcomes are good if we're using these questions. They're bad if we're using this question. By the way, it's super important to identify what's not working, right? And it's helping me as in RevOps, I, I can then go in and say, here's what messaging is working for, for these different types of calls. Here's what messaging is working for prospecting cold calls and calling, you know, infographics. And I can put all that information into the hands of a manager, especially a new manager, and suddenly they've got you know, some guidance on what sort of messaging is working, what their ICP is, who they should be reaching out to, how they should be coaching their reps specifically, right? Like these are the things you should be doing or shouldn't be doing. They can listen in on calls and, and actually day-to-day -day manage reps that way and, and enables them to essentially, you know, step into that role without just drowning right away. It gives them some, some resources, something to cling on to. And to that point also, like some of our top reps will even just on their own share some of their most successful calls. And I think that's really a nice thing to have is the recordings of their successful calls to be able to show kind of the greener reps how to do things. Yeah, it, totally, right. it, it definitely helps, right? Like, let's celebrate with each other. Here's some great calls. Here's some deals that closed, and here's how those calls went. And we can share that out to the team to, to help new reps and help people stay longer, that sort of thing. Yeah, so, but just sort of close the circle on, on the question is, so, yeah, the things you talk about... Um, yeah, a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, well, yeah, I, I get that anyway. I don't need RevOps. So where's RevOps come? And this is because I want to come back and say, okay, let's let's look at where RevOps fits in the organization and, and yeah, what's under it, who's at work with, and so on. But maybe just start with that question, then we'll circle back up to where it fits. I'd, I'd like to know who gets that data right now that, that doesn't have RevOps, to be honest. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people that get that level of granularity in, in how their calls are going and, and their new managers are, are well, picking up that, that level of data. But they have the tool, right? I mean, if somebody has, has a conversational intelligence tool, what's the step they're missing to be able to extract that data? Data layer would be the most, and Jonathan can probably talk more about that because he asked me to talk about data layers every single week. Um, but but we, we can talk about data integrity, but for what it's worth, a hugely important piece of, of RevOps is aligning your, your data layer into one system, which allows you to communicate these things cross-departmentally and upstream from marketing to sales and et cetera. Um, and I'll, I'll let Jonathan speak to that in, in a moment. The, the other piece of it is... Um, you might get that information in your current state, right? If you're in 
a sales management position, you, you might get some level of, you know, here's here's the outcomes of our calls. Here's here's what that mm-hmm. looks like coming from your sales ops team specifically. But it's right. not it's not going to be based on anything besides you know here's here's how our sales calls are going because it's in that sales silo. And the RevOps thing right. is really about extending it beyond that. So like. Hey, 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 new manager who's managing my inbound SDRs. Here's how our calls are going by lead source, by the Mm -hmm. way. Right. Like, let's break this out. If they're converting on this infographic, nobody's ever converting to a, to an opportunity. If they're converting from this other infographic or this event that we had, everybody's Mm -hmm. taking a meeting. So great. So let's coach you into, you know, prioritizing these leads specifically. It's aligning back to the marketing side to help them be better managers. All right. Fair enough. So, Jonathan, he said he was going to let you talk. So, go ahead. Yeah, you want to talk about data? Jonathan, <laughs> yes. tell us about data. Grab, grab the opportunity to charge you up for a second. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think another big piece of that is just enabling the data to be in a place where it's actionable and you can actually analyze this data. So, providing data at the fingertips of the reps so that they can see what's working, what's not working in real time and take action mm-hmm. immediately is one of the most critical points. Okay. So centralizing data, making sure your data is all in one spot. It's easy to access, easy to analyze. I think that's one of the most critical facets of revenue operations. All right. So, Jordan, where's this fit in the organization? I think of revenue operations, my preferred. There's a lot of debate about this, by the way. People are like, should it report to the CMO or CSO or CRO or COO or whatever it well, is? Some Some people think that head of revenue operations should be the CRO. Yes. Also, also true, mm-hmm. right? So, so yeah. this is, um, I, I don't care is my honest answer. I don't honestly think it matters if you report into the CSO or the CMO. I, I think the most important thing is that you have an executive mandate. So you have your CEO and your exec team is bought into the concept that somebody's job is to align these teams and they have a lot of autonomy to go do that. I think that's very important. And I think that the, the role is, essentially layered on top of sales ops and marketing ops. It's not replacing those things. Those things still need to exist because those teams need dedicated resources. And this is not going to be a dedicated resource, but part of the, one of the biggest parts of RevOps is aligning sales ops and marketing operations, right? And CS operations for what it's worth. So less, I'm less concerned with the top. Explain what you mean by the alignment between those marketing ops, sales ops, and CS ops. Yeah, yeah. So everybody probably has sales ops. Marketing ops has really seen a rise in the past couple of years. But marketing ops, Jonathan, you could talk about what you do a little bit. Um, but but uh, essentially, when we're talking about sales ops putting together our data and aligning everything for the sales team and making sure they have the right tools and technology and frameworks for their and processes for their flame, frameworks. At the same time, Jonathan, who's our marketing ops guy, is doing that on the marketing side. He's making sure our email campaigns are going out to the right audiences and that everybody's triggering into certain things and he's pulling in data from different sources to augment our, our, our marketing database, which is actually also our sales database because we have a shared data layer. Mm-hmm. All of those two things are very, very important. But if Jonathan and Matt are aligned, it means Jonathan could be, for example, emailing everybody in our database for one campaign while sellers are also double targeting at the same time, right? Which could mm-hmm. cause damage because they could get a sales email and a marketing email within right. a minute of each other, which makes us look right. like we have no idea what we're doing. So exactly. a very easy example of we need those two things super aligned to make sure our targeting across the entire business is in order. Okay. And really maximizing our spend, especially on our paid side, on the marketing right. side, is ensuring that yeah. sales and marketing alignment. And I think RevOps is in the best position to help ensure that. 
So this is a dotted line between marketing ops and sales ops into rev ops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. In a, in a lot of ways, I think it aligns that um, maximizing spend, ensuring that our outreach is, is very coordinated across the board, ensuring speed to lead conversion rates. Cause I think marketing to SDRs is a super important touch point between those two teams. And that mm-hmm. should be, you know, very much in the wheelhouse of revenue operations. Upstream feedback loops would be very, mm-hmm. very important as a part of this. So sales ops and marketing ops, it's really easy for people to conceptualize sending data downstream to sales, right? Marketing, hey, here's this lead, throw it over the fence and sales takes it right. and runs with it. And here's here's some information about that lead as you go. Uh, but sending feedback back from sales to marketing is very important, something that doesn't happen, I think, in a lot of businesses. And so making right. sure that sales ops is doing things to pull data and results for, from sales and feeding that up to marketing in a way that's very useful for them and, and deciding who to target and what messaging to use and those sorts of things is also a, a huge piece of that. And that's definitely something that RevOps does help coordinate between sales ops and marketing ops. Okay, well, let's give Brandon a chance to talk here. So Brandon, why does product marketing care about RevOps? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And before we did the podcast, honestly, I was like, this is going to be interesting. We we don't really do the same things. But at the end of the day, like if you think about it, we actually do very similar things. We just do it in very different ways. Like a lot of the things that we're talking about is enabling sellers to sell better, right? Like he's doing a lot of things on the back end, whereas my team comes in with the content and the messaging, the positioning. And then I get that feedback from his team saying, this is what's working, this is what's not. Or if, mm-hmm. or if we're doing something like, um, you know, territory planning or anything like, um, you know, new, new pricing um, or reevaluating our pricing. Now, we, we just recently talked in an episode about that. And th- there's mm-hmm. actually a lot of data that I get from his team that actually helps me inform how I make these decisions and vice versa too. There's a lot of information that I have in the market because, you know, that, that really is what it, product marketing is. You know, that's sure. one of their main jobs is having their ear on the market. I can go back to him and say, as you're doing the territory planning, here are some things that might be changing in specific markets and specific segments. Um, and that will help him inform uh, how he actually, you know, splits up the territory um, or things like that, which reps he mm-hmm. assigns there, that sort of thing. So, yeah, in the beginning, I, I really actually had that same question. But at the end of the day, it's like there's actually a lot more that we could be doing together that we should be doing together. And honestly, doing the podcast has actually helped me align with with the RevOps team uh, overall. <laughs> All right. You know, well, that was the the actual intention of the podcast, by the way, because it was just to get Brandon to, to understand that I have a valuable job at the business. That was it. He that actually does do work. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon, yeah. Perfectly understandable. So, um, well, so I guess one of the last areas I wanted to ask is, because this is a new function, so like, Jordan, you've been on the show in the past, you talked about how you got into it, but but for people who are listening to this, because I get messages all the time. People think, well, you know, I want to move from sales into enablement or I want to move from you know, sales into sales ops or something like that. So who, you know, would the seller look at RevOps as a potential career path? Yeah, I absolutely. Um, our our sales ops person was a an, an AE before as well as an SDR, um, and and is ultimately probably going to pursue a rev ops path. Um, and I think he'll be a great fit for it in the future. I, I think I think as long as you have some exposure to sales or marketing, 
RevOps is like a logical path for you if you're interested in the ops space and you're tech savvy and you're interested in like the data layer and that sort of stuff. I think you have yeah, to come from- Yeah, what, what do you need to learn? What do you need to be, what do you need to bring to the table in order to be considered? There's definitely a layer of, you know, like Salesforce admin skills and, and HubSpot admin skills and just overall technical aptitude. Uh, I think, Jonathan, how many, how many different softwares do we log into and use on a daily basis that you have to just pick up and run on? Like a dozen? Oh, so many. Um, Wait, yeah. yeah. So, so there, there's a piece of that where like you're really going to have to pick up a lot of technical you know, know-how and be able to really open a software and sort of figure it out on your own. Um, beyond that, I mean, there's a lot of business analyst type work, really understanding what metrics are important, what sort of data you need to track to do that sort of stuff. Um, there's a huge component of the role that, that is that. But I think fundamentally as long as you are from the marketing universe or the sales universe, you at least understand what's important to one of those two teams, which is which is very core. And mm-hmm. then as you grow into the role, whether it's marketing ops and then stepping into rev ops or sales ops and then stepping into rev ops, you can learn what's important to the other team. Right? Okay. I, I, I've never been a marketer, but I talked to Jonathan and Brandon and, and William and our entire marketing team three hours every day. So I can at least sort of wrap my head around what's important to them as, as marketers and know what I need to do to help them be successful, right? Um, so so the, the things I would lean into, I, I think marketing or sales people should should absolutely, if they're you know interested in it, pursue that role. Things mm-hmm. I would lean into are technical aptitude, uh, really mm-hmm. learn Salesforce, HubSpot, Pardot, that sort of stuff. Um, Business analytics, what metrics are important, what metrics aren't important, what do you need to do to track those things and how do you put together that data layer? Super important. And then learning the other side, what's important to them. So if you come from marketing, learn sales. If you come from sales, learn marketing because you need to know those three things. If you do all that, you could do RevOps. You you could do my job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but it it raises an interesting point though. It's one thing that's that's really not seen as much as it used to be is, is... yeah, it's from a career path, as people say, yeah, I'll go spend a couple of years in sales, go spend a couple of years in marketing, go spend a couple of years in ops. I mean, we don't rotate people the way that used to be very common in companies um, to do to get people exposure to all these different disciplines. But it seems like that's mm-hmm. something we should be looking at. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that would be great. I haven't, I haven't met anybody in a long time who's jumped from like four years of sales over to four years of marketing, right? Although, mm-hmm. although I think Brandon, actually, you did that. You were in sales. Uh, yeah, totally. I, I I started out in yeah. I was my my first real job out of college. Yeah, I was an SDR. Then I carried a bag for a few years, and then made the move over to marketing. Carried a bag. I you're right. I did physically. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. You're <laughs> I'm not that bag. old. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. Easy on the age. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us really did carry a bag. <laughs> No, but Not I, I had samples in it, but yeah. <laughs> I had a briefcase. For, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, briefcase, there you go. <laughs> hey, we all had briefcases at that time. There you go. No, but I, I think that's a really good point. That, like, that, that, I feel like in the past, the corporate world in the you know, 80s, that, that's how they would groom future leaders, right? You would go yeah. spend you know, a few years here, a few years there. Um, and and I, I think that's a huge missing piece because like, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. When when I got married, my wife and I did you know one of those choreographed dances, right? And I'm I was hurry. I was a uh, what? <laughs> can we can we we're gonna circle back to that? No no no, no 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 yeah let's keep going. Can we find a link on YouTube for that? <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Maybe. Um, you, you talk. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do a little search. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I I was an absolute terrible leader. Right. My, my wife 
was like, I, like I, I don't know when you want me to you know, go into this step. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to show you here. And it wasn't until the, the instructor was like, okay, Brandon, I'm gonna be the leader, you be the follower. You're gonna be Megan's, uh, you're gonna do Megan's part, my wife's part. And then he, like I could actually feel what he is doing to make me go into that step, right? So one, once I actually learned what the other side is looking for, I was then able to actually do that. So as soon as I took that perspective, I was actually able to be a, a, a pretty good uh, dance leader. And that's how I've approached you know, going into product marketing. Let me actually go read a ton of product books. What, what does product actually do? How, how does product actually operate? And then how can it be a good counterpart to that? So you know, th that's also the approach I took to sales uh, and, and marketing. And I'm still stuck on the fact that you learned empathy from a dance instructor. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's a pretty awesome story. I, I like it. I, I just like that Brandon has kept with tradition, despite this not being the RevOps podcast, in mentioning that he reads a lot. It's, it's <laughs> oh, yeah. about seven, seven consecutive episodes that he's dropped that nugget of, of wisdom. I do know how to read. <laughs> Very good. And what are you reading? Uh, I, right, right now, I well, I'm, I'm reading a few. Uh, I, I just read a book on pricing, Confessions of the Pricing Man uh, by Herman Simon, which is like, you know, the, the founder of uh, Simon Kusher, which is kind of the leading price consultancy mm -hmm. out there. Super fascinating book. Uh, highly recommend that one. Just read Noise by Daniel Kahneman. Everyone knows mm -hmm. fast, Thinking Fast and Slow. This is his mm -hmm. next book. Um, I, I, I'm, I don't know, maybe a quarter way into it. Um, mm -hmm. And then I actually, uh, based on one of your recommendations, Andy, um, yes. business storytelling. Or, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, recently, uh, maybe a few months ago on your podcast. Yeah. Um, Lee and Janine. Lee Lazarus yes. and Janine Kernoff. Yes. Yes. Great book. That is a great, great. book. Love the visuals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the visuals are fantastic. Yeah, yes. Great book. All right. Jordan, Jonathan, you guys read it all? We, I do read. I just don't have to. I don't feel obliged to tell people about it every episode. But, um, but uh, right now, I'm actually reading uh, Algebra of Happiness by Scott Galloway, which is more of a, a personal book. But I love Scott Galloway. Oh, I love yeah, being Scott Galloway. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Adjunct I, professor of marketing at NYU Stern. Um, hugely. His, his, his newsletter, his books, everything. It's all awesome. Definitely yeah, no, I listen to Pivot, at least one of the episodes mm. a week of Pivot with um, Kara Swisher. It's a great... Yeah, that's a good podcast. Yeah. He's, got a, he's got a great perspective about the uh, dangers of big tech. <laughs> yeah. He really does. The big, he, the big four are yeah. in his nightmares yeah. constantly, I think. Jonathan Hachu, what are you reading? I actually never learned to read. So. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't really, I don't really read a whole lot. I do a lot of uh, digging around on videos and articles and mm -hmm. things like that, but I don't do a whole lot of uh, books. I maybe yeah. should, but one of these um, days. Yeah, they should write a book. That would be that would be a good way to get you. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> With all this free nice. time I have, <laughs> skip yeah. right, skip, skip right past reading straight into writing a book. Well, yeah. <laughs> you got to research it. You know, do a little True. reading. It's a good way to do yeah, it. So that's a good idea. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me. Uh, so your show comes out how often? 
Uh, weekly on Wednesdays, I believe. Wednesdays? That yeah, correct. everybody's nodding their heads. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. It is on Wednesdays. Uh, weekly on Wednesdays, uh, we, we do guests, sometimes just us talking different topics. We, we love if people message us questions on LinkedIn. We usually address those in, in the episode. So if people want to you know, send us any messages, thoughts, questions, topics, we'd, we'd love, to, love to hear them. Perfect. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. 